All right, welcome to this week's walk and talk. We've got a lot to cover today. We're doing a new walk. I've never been here before. It's called West Baldwin Reservoir on the Isle of Man. We've got a beautiful river here. Lovely surroundings. I doubt we'll see anyone on this walk today. It's quite remote. But we've got a, a fair amount to talk about. We're going to talk about the EU and Ukraine. We're going to talk about all the COP stuff, all the new announcements. The US has got off quite lightly, but the UK has been hammered by these new energy policies that are coming in 2025. We've also got high levels of mortgage arrears. We've got a little bit on the US mortgages as well. So let's get into everything. And it's pretty cold here today. You know what? I'm, I met someone, a subscriber, came to the Isle of Man and they said, Neil, you said that it was fresh in December. So she came with her husband in December and she said, she's from America, by the way. She said, fresh, fresh. It was so windy and freezing cold. I didn't want to go out. Well, that's, uh, that's the thing. If you come from California and you come here in uh, winter, uh, yeah, expect it to be pretty cold, by the way. So let's get started with the first story then. And this is straight out of the EU meeting because the EU has failed to agree a critical, they call it 50 billion euro financial aid package to Ukraine. And this was because Hungary's prime minister has blocked it. So now there's a lot of talk in the EU of bypassing Hungary and of course they're going to have these new voting rights soon where member states won't be able to veto. It'll be in the hands of the five board, whatever you want to call them, these, these five politicians who are going to be, in fact are they even politicians, who are going to make the decisions on behalf of the EU. But what they've said is the collapse of talks on the funding seen as crucial for Ukraine's financial stability follows repeated failures by the U.S. Congress to agree a $60 billion aid package proposed by the White House. This has raised fears of weakening Western resolve to sustain the country as it continues to battle against Russia. EU leaders who were locked in negotiations over the package until the early hours of Friday will return to Brussels in early 2024 for future talks on the financing. But one thing they have said, and even, you know, we talked about how these politicians get into power and then once they're in power, they basically do a U-turn. Well, the new Dutch prime minister who the media said was hard right. He was a hard right extremist and everything else. Even he was, <laughs> right, you, you read some of the, the stuff here. It says that he was pushing hard all the other states and that he's very aggressive to get Ukraine this funding. Didn't he get elected by saying he didn't want to give Ukraine funding and he didn't want to fund any more of this war and now all of a sudden he's the one pushing it. Hold on, something just doesn't add up. Oh wow, I've got to show you this view. This is absolutely stunning. This was worth the long hike here. Take a look at that. Isn't that beautiful? So what has the EU said then? They said they're going to come up with an alternative proposal to raise the cash from the EU's other 26 countries without Hungary 
being part of this. We have various tools in our hands to make sure we deliver on our promises. Now, the next promises that have been talked about at the moment has been COP this week. I mean, this is the longest meeting I think I've ever heard of. Three weeks long, <laughs> COP. Two, well, they say two weeks, but it might extend to three weeks long. Gosh, I mean, they change it all the all the time at the moment. But there's a lot of talk at COP at the moment and they've actually had a breakthrough, yes. And I wanna show you how they changed their language and exactly what I talked about last week on the walk and talk, where the whole 1.5 degrees or it's catastrophe. I said, just wait, just wait until 26, 27, where they said it's irreversible. And they'll say, oh no, it's, 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 it's 2030 now then it's irreversible. Well, this is what they've just said. The talks have just ended with a historic deal that's committed the world to transition away from all fossil fuels for the first time. The UAE Sultan brokered an agreement that was strong enough for the US and EU to dramatically curb fossil fuel use while keeping Saudi Arabia and other oil producers on board. The final agreement calls for countries to quickly shift energy systems away from fossil fuels in a just and orderly fashion, qualifications that help convince the skeptics. Under the deal, countries are also called to contribute to a global transition effort rather than being all outright. I wonder what that contribution is going to be. It's going to be money, I assure you. The rich countries are going to be contributing. That means people in Western countries are going to be contributing to this uh, IMF proposal, private bank proposal, to uh, create all this funding for carbon uh, reduction and capture. And where does all that funding go? Oh, we, we did investigations into this. It goes to these hedge funds, these financial institutions, whose main investment is climate transitions. So you have the head of these hedge funds and everything else, who are also head of the climate transition plans. Hmm, a little bit suspicious if you, uh, if you ask me. But one of the comments that really made me laugh here, I've got to read this out. Policymakers are now taking a more conservative tone towards the 1.5 degree temperature rise, stating that if we can just manage the transition, we can still avert disaster. Right, so they've said that they have to get this 1.5 or it's complete disaster. Now they're saying, oh, well, actually, we'll just manage this transition away between now and 2050. And, you know, all these are the dates they keep coming up with. Some in 2030, some in 2040, some in 2050. We'll just transition away and everything's going to be fine. See, I knew this was going to happen. I knew they would say this once they got all of this funding and all the, you know, the hedge funds were okay. I'm not sure if I can go through here, actually. There is a lock on this gate. Uh, let's just jump over it. Okay, continuing on then. UK government backs plans to ban gas and hydrogen-ready boilers. The UK has formally backed plans to eliminate these for new builds from 2025. So you've basically got one year before these are no longer permitted. And then they want to stop it so that in existing home, in fact, let me read this out to you, it will make more sense. The proposals mean heat pumps being installed as standard as part of measures to make all new homes net zero ready from 2025. 
The consultation rules out the use by house builders of all fossil fuel heating systems, including gas, hybrid heat pumps, and hydrogen-ready boilers. After finding out that there was no practical way to allow the installation of fossil fuel boilers while also meeting net zero targets. Now it goes on to talk a little bit more about net zero and it's quite interesting because they talk about these global laws that they are part of and again who exactly sets global laws because I've never heard of global laws where all countries have to do you know these certain global laws who sets global laws is the is the question since there is no global council or global government uh, so it's quite interesting really and they actually use the words that the government has to meet its legally binding 1.5 degree rise so i don't know how exactly it's legally binding and who decided upon the legal binding of it but it's, it's quite interesting they go on to say that about 1.5 million homes are estimated to have been built without these low carbon fittings since 2015 so in the last eight to nine years and the cost to retrofit these properties is going to be between 30 and 45 billion pounds but guess what hold on wait for it wait for it here here we go you know what statement's coming next however the government claims that this is a price citizens are willing to pay to avert climate disaster on their doorsteps. Yes, that uh, line seems to be popping up in every media outlet, even though they're all disconnected media outlets. They're all using the same lines, which is very interesting. Another statement they made was saying that allowing these um, fossil fuel heating systems to remain in place and remain in use would have created confusion and that it would inevitably have to have been replaced anyway in the future. Now, these are the key words I want you to pay attention to. They say inevitably had to replace their fossil fuel heating system in years to come. So what they're actually saying in the UK predominantly is they're telling you that in the future you are going to have to replace your boilers and things like that and actually what i think is most likely to happen is that when your boiler breaks for example you won't be able to replace it because the heating engineer it will be illegal for example for them to replace an existing boiler i think that's most likely the way that it will be done and the suppliers who manufacture these things remember this is how it always works will not be able to manufacture them so it will be outlawed to even produce these things, let alone install them. So they hit it from the top downwards. So the only way, I guess, is that if you had a spare boiler in your garage or something like that and you fitted it yourself, I think that's pretty much the only way. But then they're going to probably start to cut back on the gas that comes into mainland Europe to heat the homes and all sorts. It's going to get very messy in the years ahead, actually. But as usual, we have a statement from a climate professor yes uh, who who is this climate professor no idea it doesn't even give his or her name and the statement says it's only fair that the older generation pays the most towards this changeover since their self-focused actions are what have caused the current crisis we are now passing on to our grandchildren well they are really going hard on the uh, older generation as it were even though it's not really an older generation it's sort of my age and above saying that um, 
you know, we're, we're all to blame. <laughs> Nothing to do with the oil companies and governments and everything else. Oh, no, no, it's, it's you and it's me. We are to blame for all of this. Yes, we're, we're to blame for this whole uh, scheme, the uh, net zero carbon credits funding program, investment program and everything else. That's what I prefer to call it as opposed to what they call it anyway. Wow, this is really remote out here, this walk. In fact, I know we won't see anyone over here because I doubt anyone else is going to climb over that, that gate at the bottom there. But this is a lovely walk. This is very, very nice. I guess this is part of government land or something like that. Now, I saw another article that's just come out on wood burners again. We talked about this last year and I said how they'll make this rampant attack on wood burners uh, from all angles. And the irony of this is that I've just had all my wood burners installed and we're even going to get a, a wood burning stove, which I'll tell you about at some point. I'll show you this. Um, it's massive. It's absolutely huge because we have so much wood, so we may as well use it. But I've got to read this article that's just come out. It's called The Health Cost of Burning Wood to Warm Homes. Experts say, whenever it begins with experts say, they don't want to give a, a name or a source or a study, then uh, take that with a pinch of salt. Experts say wood burning is not cheaper or truly renewable and constitutes a major health risk. How exactly wood is not renewable, I have no idea. I, I thought we were in a carbon-based closed system, but apparently not. Wood is not renewable, according to this professor yes oh it gets better dr tom smith is a wildfires scientist his career has focused on tracking down wildfires in the savannas and tropical peatlands around the globe but his latest investigation was closer to home hmm of course it was <laughs> of course his latest investigation was closer to home i mean someone's uh, good storytelling abilities there Mm, I'm not sure how much further we can go down here. We might just turn around. So, yeah, let's go back this way. Yeah, there's this big story now. It took place on a dark and windy weekend in early December. You know how the, <laughs> they've got someone to write a story to really pull you in here. I noticed the familiar smell of wood smoke inside my flat. The doctor said, I'm well aware of its harmful effects from using my own research. So I went outside with my portable pollution sensor in search of the source. Of course you did, doctor, if you even exist. Anyway, let me cut a long story short here, and it really is a long story. He went out and he found this pub that was billowing polluting smoke into the air. And he, he sat about and did this study, and he found that smoke is killing 284 Londoners every year, and it's costing 800 pounds a year as a health burden. And his message to everyone is, get rid of your chimneys, get rid of your, your wood burners, you're killing people. You know, think of others, we're all in this together. This is all pretty familiar, actually, language. How would you feel about the old lady down the road that died because of your actions? Yeah, okay, all right, we, I think we've got it. Okay, UK mortgage arrears then. This is, I don't know why they're making a big story out of this. I looked at all the data and the statistics and the numbers don't really align. So there's all these headlines, UK mortgage arrears hits a six-year high. 
they're talking about how bad it is, all these arrears now. No, it was 1.02% in arrears, which is nothing. That is nothing for the mortgage industry. And it's gone up to 1.14%. Yeah, that, that's it. You can see this chart is tipped up a little bit. Nowhere near what happened in 2008. It's, it's a mile away from that right now. So this headline that is, is everywhere, all over the news, ignore it. It doesn't really mean anything. But in, over in the US, mortgage rates have just dropped below 7%. So this is good news if you are in the US. You're still not going to be getting your long-term fixed rates at a low uh, rate at the moment. But at least it's a step in the right direction. Next then, 155 countries have now come under the BRICS Belt and Road Initiative with China. Now this is quite interesting when I was looking at this because of the implications that this could actually have. So this is 75% of the world's population and it's over 50% of the world's GDP that owe this $1.1 trillion to China. Now, why is that an issue? Well, there'll probably be contracts at the moment and how it's to be repaid and all sorts of things like that. But remember, China plans way ahead of the rest of the world. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if there's some sort of clause in these contracts that say that in the future, we can change how we want that payment to be made. So let's just say it's, you know, these countries are swapping USD, uh, US dollars, and they're paying in yuan, and, you know, or maybe they're paying USD. Who, who knows exactly what they're using? Maybe they're swapping some to something else. But one thing that I think China could do in the future is say, actually, we only want you to pay in our BRICS currency. Now, that's where things could get very interesting. Because if you've got all the repayments then going through a BRICS currency, that's going to have consequences for the US dollar. Okay, and let's do the last story then as we stand by the reservoir. We got a bit of a, a walk down, but I'll see you in a few minutes. All right, let's do the last article then. I feel so much calmer actually stood here by the water. I don't know why, maybe it's just the water, it's really calming. I feel, I feel super relaxed where my, my blood was pumping up there. But let's do this last article here then. And this is for all my expats in Thailand right now, where I'll be going again for January, try and go every January. So this is what the article says. Chinese Russians rank among the top condo buyers in Thailand as the tourists return. Actually, another crazy story that happened last week was a Chinese uh, vlogger. She's got millions of followers she made a little video criticizing the red light district in Thailand. And the government does not take kindly to that at all. So she has landed in hot water. If she ever returns to Thailand, she'll probably get arrested or something like that. So sales have surged 38% to 10,700 units just this year. In fact, it says just in the last nine months, Chambori, Bangkok, Phuket are the preferred location for foreigners. In fact, when I was in Phuket in January, I felt like I was in Russia. <laughs> it, was all, it was all Russians, pretty much all Russians there. So what are the hotspots? It's Bangkok, it's Pattaya and it's Phuket. These are the places where people are buying. They have spent 
52 billion baht, which is $1.5 billion just in the last nine months. And it's up 40% almost from a year ago. It's pretty crazy. And the Chinese buyers, we got a little image here, chart. They are buying the most. Then it's Russian. Then it's US. It's the USA, Taiwanese, and then UK, which is very, very interesting. So there you go. You're kind of up to date now with the news. There hasn't been a lot of crazy news over the last week or two. So we'll have to see how it goes. I've got a few projects that I'm working on more at longer pieces. So we'll see. I won't make a video on Mondays. I'll go back to um, doing videos Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday each week. I won't be doing six videos a week at the moment just because the new, there isn't a lot of news. Before where there was loads going on, I'm happy to do six videos a week for you. But with the renovations I'm doing on my house and the, the land and everything at the moment, I've got some acreage there I've got to look after. It just makes it a lot harder to do a video six days a week. So I'll probably go to, um, let's say, three videos a week, two or three videos a week at the moment. And uh, we'll go from there. But apart from that, especially because the views are lower at the moment, people always ask me, make really descriptive titles, Neil, please. Don't make the titles vague. When I do it really descriptive, people don't tend to watch the videos as much as well. Oh, goodness. Catch 22, hey? Well, that's it for this week's videos then. Uh, I will see you next week. Take care. God bless you. God bless your families. Apart from that, have a great weekend. See you soon.